0: Hi, this is the Marketing Connect Podcast. 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 A show where we get up close and personal with some of the most celebrated marketeers in the country. We we'll talk to them and discover nuances of marketing that we often miss. After all, we are a show for marketeers, by marketers. Listen in. Hi everyone. This is Saurabh, the host for the Marketing Connect podcast. In this episode, you would hear from Piali Das Gupta. She is the senior vice president of marketing at Columbia Pacific Communities. In a wide-ranging conversation about marketing career, breaking the myths, and mental health, this podcast episode was one of the most engaging and informative sessions that I have been a part of. Piali, over to you. Tell us who you are, what do you do. Hi, everyone. so
1: uh, sort of great to be here. Um, uh, my name is Piyali, and uh, I head marketing and communication at uh, Columbia Pacific Communities, which is India's largest senior living community operator. We are part of the Seattle-based Columbia Pacific uh, group, which also ran uh, the Columbia Asia hospitals in the country successfully for over 13 years. Um, as part of my role here, I look after marketing, communication and PR, also parts of internal communication as well. Uh, I've been here for a little less than three and a half years. So far, it's been a great, uh, great experience. Um, lots to learn, lots to imbibe. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've uh, spent 15 years in marketing and communication, started my career with uh, journalism, actually, on the other side of things. Wow. And then swap wow. over to the brand side. And uh, yeah, that's about, that's
0: about it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So I'm going to throw a tough one at you, Piali. The first question that I'm going to ask you will be the toughest that you will face from me. Tell me that most of my friends are like serious MBAs from, you know, fancy institutes. And they, they tend to swear by the fact that if so you have to have a fancy MBA, and you just told me that you are not one and you are uh, a leading marketing at a fairly large business. B while I was doing research on you, I I found that you seem to have won every award out there to win. Like I mean I mean I mean I mean, you have an award, mil rahe plus company ko award. Mil rahe. Like 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 I don't even know how you do this, so I just want to pick your brains on that controversial question, Pyali.
1: Yeah so sort of thank you so much for this question so it's not a, not a difficult question at all actually in fact I'm glad that you asked me
0: this question <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm thinking thank god
1: yeah, I mean I just have so much to say about this so you I think you you will have to bear with me for a bit uh, because I'm uh, I have a lot to say on this and I'm finally getting to say something about this So, you know, um, the thing is that sort of, um, so I did my master's in communication, right? And, you know, when when I look back at my career, right, um, I mean... Um, of course, I started with journalism because when you do your master's in communication, you sort of get exposed to a whole range of things. It's a wide sort of spectrum. So there is everything from PR to corporate communication to advertising to brand communication to journalism to new media. So that was like the entire sort of course, right? And I always knew that I would, I would sort of have a career in in the space of communication uh and what specifically in that space i think when you're 22 you're too young to sort of decide and then you basically sort of go with the flow and take up the opportunity that comes to you uh you know when you're sort of passing out and for me that opportunity was the times of india and obviously as you know nobody says no, no to the times of india because it's like a it's like a monolith and um, yeah i mean i took it up and it was a great um, five, five and a half years uh, in journalism. And looking back, uh, I have zero regrets about the fact that I didn't do uh, uh, an MBA. I wouldn't change anything for the world. And I think that what I do want to talk about is this absolutely strange MBA bias that the industry has, which is actually more detrimental than people realize it is.
0: You're and, talking, um, pyali sorry to interrupt you you're talking to a guy who's done his MBA and the only thing that is done in his life is the MBA and all my li- things in my life came from that MBA so please be warned about it Let's yeah no
1: no I, I, and and, and I, I mean i just want to kind of put it out there as a disclaimer that this is not uh, being said with any intent of you know um, offending anyone or um, you know, it, it, it's it's really not about that at all. Uh, I have the highest re- respect and regard for people that have done MBA and particularly ones from the from premier institutes because obviously one realizes and understands how difficult it is to actually even get into those in, th- those institutes. So you know, this is not a you know this is not a I'm thinking story. All right, <laughs> no, no, I'm thinking. <laughs>
0: I am thinking I am thinking after this podcast I will send you my C V and ask for an Okri because you seem to have respect for MBAs. MBS. And no, degree no, ka nahi, no I, I do, do, but
1: but but <laughs> I also I also have a strong point of view which I want to share with you. And which is the fact that you know um look ultimately if you're going to be, let's say, a head of marketing at an at a at an organization, there are uh, there is a very conventional way of getting there, which is obviously doing your MBA. And then, of course, maybe work in a large sort of, let's say, FMCG organization like HUL or a PNGs of the world, where you will probably work as like area sales manager for a couple of years, post which you will be moved to like a brand role. Right. That's typically the way things work in a, in a very conventional kind of journey. Right. And then, you know, of course, you put in your ears, etc., gain more experience, mentor people, and so on and so forth. You probably do a couple of switches, and then you finally land a head of marketing role somewhere. Um, Now, if you take the non-conventional approach that I took, it is very, 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 very hard to finally get to a head of marketing position. It's very hard because most organizations today, if you look at it, uh, would put out, um, you know... um, job postings that uh, very clearly say MBA from a premier institute and some of them actually go on to yeah and some of them actually go on to define what they mean by premier institute so it's obviously the top IIMs the ISBs the IMTs and uh, the MDI right so so So, by
0: the way I have a I have a bone to pick as well so in the top institute list list, till date MDI doesn't feature in a lot of these you know JDS and I I am I cringe at that college ka naam nahi hai, tum kya hai?
1: No, but so many of them I actually do see MDI and XLRI as well
0: Haan, but the, uh,
1: ha not every some may yeah that's true. Cool. but that's that's but how it is, right so it's 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 sort of that specific right and 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 then there are the rest to sort of keeping keep it open I ended to say that mba so which basically means that if you're not an mba don't even bother applying right and i do have a problem with this very very obnoxious sort of arrogant attitude to say that, hey, if you're not an MBA, you're not even good enough to apply. I mean, we don't even want to look at you. We don't even want to waste our time looking at your CV because you're just not worth it, right? And while doing that, not only are you sort of, you know, creating an environment which is not inclusive at all at a time like this when everybody's sort of talking about diversity and inclusion and every chief people officer wants to, you know, sort of talk about that. But on the other hand, you're creating, you know, a workspace and a work environment which is tremendously homogeneous because you're basically you know hiring people that are just like each other right they think uh, in the same manner they approach problems in the same manner uh, you know they they walk talk dress uh, like each other and it's basically i mean you know uh, 20 years back i would have probably said they're you know um uh, sort of uh, you know copies of each other but today I'd say they're clones of each other and uh, that just creates a very very homogeneous sort of uh, an environment uh, where you're basically picking people that have done an engineering followed by an MBA That's sort of a sort of classical sort of combination right and even if you look at the MBA entrance tests uh, you know the the whole the, the the way it is designed whether you look at a cat whether you look at a gmat anything at all uh and i know this because my brother went through this and he is he is an mb unlike me uh but you know and he he sort of tells me that you know it is designed to favor engineers all right it is designed to favor people that have let's say done a pcmb plus plus an engineer because two thirds of the test is basically a lot of uh, you know, numbers, right? Um, and maybe one third of the test is English, where, you know, maybe somebody like me who had who, who came from like a humanities background could probably still sort of track that. But the rest two thirds, even if I went through like a rigorous sort of training process for one year, maybe I could have done like a gap year. Sometimes when I kind of look back, right, I still have these questions that could I have like, you know, taken a year off and sort of trained myself and things like that. Um, it, it it gets difficult, right? Right. Now, let's look at MBAs and the kind of skills that they come with, right? And this is coming from many, many years of working with MBAs. I'm in the business for 15 years now. So obviously, you can have having worked with like the Mintras, Amazons of the world. I mean, obviously, it's all MBAs, Um, you know, and with with all due respect and regard, what I do want to say is that while they are extremely skilled on one side of marketing, which is the marketing side of things, right? They're not necessarily that skilled on the other side of marketing, which is the communication end of things. And there is a reason why you call it marketing and communication. They're both very, very important. In fact, I would go on to say that communication is actually a little more important than the marketing side of things because that is what you're actually putting your media money on so if you mess up communication bit and if you don't have very very high skills and you know levels of understanding of communication which involves if i have to break that down it involves content communication creative pr brand communication all of those elements that kind of put together make it communication then you're actually putting a lot of money on 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 Things that you know may or may not actually work for your brand. A lot of the times, it can backfire, which we have seen happen with a whole bunch of brands that have been called out for tone deaf communication, putting out inappropriate communication. Yeah, around. yeah, all yeah. of which yeah. are actually stemming from the fact that you know people at the helm of things are not necessarily very highly skilled in the communication side of things they may be very very highly skilled in the marketing side of things so they may be excellent with let's say you know consumer research pricing product all of that but they may not actually be that skilled with the communication side of things on the other hand if you look at somebody like me who comes from a pure communication background or or academically let's say comes from a communication background and then have you know learned the rest of marketing literally on the job right Uh, this person is going to be very skilled on the communication side of things will be less skilled on the marketing side of things now either way whichever way you look at it the point sort of is that there is a skill gap right there is a skill gap so my question is why do you want to you know negate one kind of skill gap and highlight the other kind of skill gap. And why do you want to sort of only look at hiring MBAs who would still actually be coming with some amount of that skill gap uh, while not looking at not looking at others, right? To me, it doesn't make sense. And I understand that, you know, uh, in a country like India, where obviously uh, there are more job seekers than job givers, you will get hundreds and thousands of applications for one job, for one posting. And therefore it, it, it you know, having that mba uh, sort of uh, criterion uh, automatically kind of you know acts as a filter uh, but but I think by doing that, companies today are sort of missing out on huge uh, sort of potential and, uh, you know, talent pool that may not actually have an MBA, but are equally skilled, equally talented, equally good, equally sharp as marketers, and uh, would would otherwise be like a great asset to to their company. And, you know, very recently, I think just a couple of months ago, I remember uh, Karan Shroff, who is a marketer that I really look up he won the marketer of so the CMO of the year award by ET right and the reason I really really look up to Karan Shroff is because he's a non-MBA as well all right and he is one of the most promising marketers in the country all right uh, to be chosen amongst I mean very heavy uh, sort of you know heavyweights to be kind of called CMO of the year um I don't think it's easy and he's done it all on the job, all on his own. Without uh, an MBA, and today he's 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 one of the most successful marketers. So I actually left him a comment on LinkedIn saying that you know you uh, really paved the way for so many uh, like uh, like you like people like me who don't have an MBA and give us hope that it's possible to kind of get there despite uh, being a non MBA non MBA. So more power to to you. And of course you know he responded saying that it's all because people have kept the faith in me and I've had the right kind of mentors and things like that. But imagine if a current show was rejected from even applying to a job because he didn't have an MBA what a huge loss would that be to a company right and I just don't know why people are not realizing that I just don't know why we're not even having enough conversations about this and I've actually never been asked by by any interviewer and I've done many many interviews um, about this and I'm just glad that you asked me and I hope that somewhere this starts a conversation somewhere because I think that the industry really really needs to uh, realize uh, the the pitfalls of
0: this. Mm-hmm. I got this. In fact, in fact, there are a couple of things that I want to add, piali and 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 like, and these are more reflections than than anything else. So, a I was taking notes myself, right? So, a you mentioned that uh, that that uh, lot of these B schools are biased, if I may use that word, uh, to to help engineers do well in their management education, right? So I can I can vouch for that, right? In my class of 120 people at MDI, at okay, school, I think 90 of those would be engineers, yeah? I mean, some sort of engineering background they would have so, so that I can vouch for that. Second, you said something about, you said, you, you talked about how uh, same set of people create same set of communication and often it becomes stone deaf in terms of how they uh, project. And again, as a marketeer for again, 15 years, I can totally vouch for it i've seen people make such silly mistakes with basic communications uh basic basic pieces that they put out and that's when i cringe and say in aur sikhaya hota. you know apart from the basics of marketing that you teach so so i'm with you and third uh on the current shroff comment i mean i mean uh, respectable name i mean I, I i know about his work from shiny more than anything else uh, to be honest that's my understanding of him but but uh but, but glad that there are people like you and him taking on the baton and sort of paving uh, the way, like you mentioned, for Karan to, to get other people to to do more. Uh, in fact, I just want to uh, move on to the next set of questions, Piri. But before I do that, I have another small uh, question. So, tell batao in your case, mein, you were still, you know, how do I explain? You were able to reach, break the ceiling and reach somewhere without a fancy MBA, right? I'm saying are there are are you are there more people that reach out to and say like is there a is there a need for let's say uh, if not a support group like a like a like a communications professionals ka group that uh, that works with other uh, non mba uh, candidates as a exist karta market mein? Do you are you aware of that? Do people reach no,
1: out? No, no, not that I am aware of. And I think one of the reasons why it doesn't exist uh, sorrow is 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 because of the fact that I think we are not even having enough conversations about this. I think people are not even realizing how strong this bias is. Right? I mean, we've internalized this bias uh, for for years and years and normalized it. Right? So it doesn't uh, you know even strike people as something that you know needs to be talked about. You know, people need to reach out, etc. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure there are people who are sort of getting stuck pictures because they don't have an MBA, right? Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Got this. Got this. That's an interesting one. Cool. So moving on, Piyali. Uh, so one of the things that I ask, uh, I mean, each of my guests is that you know, uh, what do you do in terms of your day-to-day work as a marketer? Uh, what if you give me some levers of marketing that are very important? For you at you know at your current role i mean i mean for example senior care is still a fairly new segment in the country i mean i mean my parents live by themselves in delhi and i am on the road all the time so 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 i and and and, and i don't even know that there is something called senior care in india like in u.s i understand that there is entire hospice and senior care and then that ecosystem exists so for your kind of business give me a 101 tell me uh you know keep problem hai, kis se hai baat karte ho? You know, give me the entire whole, whole nine yards of the marketing for senior care.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, you're right that, you know, senior care, senior living are um, fairly new concepts in the country. And, uh, I mean, as a brand... Uh, We are trying to lead the movement, right? Um, We are the only international player in this segment, which obviously gives us an additional edge, uh, because what we're trying to bring into the country and introduce to India is 40 years of deep expertise in building senior living communities across the world. And by that, I mean, US, Canada, China, uh, you know, parts of Africa and so on and so forth. And uh, now we're kind of, you know, bringing this to India because we feel that the market is now ripe for this. And the reason why we feel that it's ripe is because there's been a societal change, right? I mean, today, if you look at the way uh, families are structured, right? Uh, I mean, you know, look at somebody like you, look at somebody like me, Uh, none of us live with our parents, right? We live away from them. And we've migrated from our hometowns many, many years ago, leaving aging parents back home, right? Now, that obviously fills us with a lot of worries, a lot of concern uh, about the well-being of our parents. As, 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 at the same time, I think, you know, our, our aging parents are also not necessarily able to take care of themselves the way they should. Because they are aging and they lack a support system. And most importantly, um, you know, uh, loneliness becomes a huge, huge issue uh, for seniors. And in fact, there's data that suggests that there are more deaths related to loneliness amongst the elderly uh, than fall. Right. Um, so, so, so it is that big a problem. Right. And then when you live in a community which is, um, you know, sort of fully serviced, which which caters to your every need, uh, which is uh, managed by professionals, there is 24 seven health care. There is, uh, you know, ready meals, uh, people running chores you, uh, you know, you're in a very, very sort of protected environment, which is very safe as well. I mean, there are safety concerns also, uh, as far as seniors are concerned. I mean, you would have read about the number of crimes that uh, are happening. All around us against seniors, and how the rates of crimes are increasing against seniors. So, when you live in
0: a more country, than crimes, there's another lens to it. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. More than crimes, there is the gullibility factor, right? Like every time there's an OTP, I have to like hard code it to my father, kya kar yeah. de Kahan ja rahe, right? Yeah, so, there is that yeah. gullibility factor also, more than just yeah, the safety yeah. perspective, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so when you look at all of those concerns put together and a solution that sort of helps address all of those concerns, it then becomes a very, very uh, important solution and almost a need today. And I think that post the pandemic, uh, you know, we've actually realized that um, seniors across the country have now really felt the need for this because they have for the first time been in a situation which... Um, is a very very um, uncertain situation to be in. I mean, I mean it renders you completely vulnerable, right? So as far as marketing is concerned, I mean, you know, if I have to look at the category itself, there are many, many, many category challenges that I have to battle on a regular basis, right? The first category challenge, like you yourself rightly said, is, you know, the fact that it is uh, low on awareness. Uh, People don't yet know about this. They don't know enough about this. Um, And uh, the the second category challenge is the fact that, you know, even the ones that do actually know about this, um, you know, there is a high level of stigma attached to it
0: all right absolutely i was coming to that yeah so
1: So, i mean the whole uh, issue around this is that you know in india we have been hardwired to think that you know if you sort of put your parents in a different sort of setup right Uh, you are kind of abandoning them. So you are seen as children that are abandoning them that are running away from your responsibilities and being selfish children who are then putting their parents in, you know, in a setup like this. And the third issue is the fact that, you know, for the longest time, senior living as as a concept has been likened very unfortunately, but but it has been likened to this dreaded sort of concept of old age homes, right? Which is a very dreary, dreaded image that you have in your mind that, you know, it is the place where people go to sort of wait for death, right?
0: I think oh, Bollywood ne hume wo kar diya ra, because ha, every Bollywood yeah, film Bollywood, has shown...
1: You know, I mean, everything, right? I mean, pop culture, everything. But senior living communities have nothing to do with old age homes, I mean, they are as disconnected to old age homes as you as they possibly can be, other than the fact that, you know, they are they're catering to the same demographic. Right. But senior living communities are something that you, you know, that you sort of go to or opt for by choice. Right. Uh, Because you want a better, more connected, healthier, livelier, you know, life post-retirement in your golden years. That's the reason why you sort of opt for senior living communities. Uh, Whereas old age homes are for people that genuinely don't have a choice and who have genuinely been abandoned, right? So there is a huge difference. Yeah, and, and, and it becomes very difficult for us to actually you know make that separation clear and obviously we try to do this you know extensively through communication and storytelling but the fact is that you know uh, like everything else a mindset which is so deep rooted can't be changed in a couple of years by a single brand right it has to be um, you know sort of consolidated effort as well as it has to be given the time that it requires because it is about paradigm shift and that is going to take time right it's a bit like mental health. I mean, I keep talking about how this is similar to mental health and also because I I am a mental health advocate myself. You know, I mean, before Deepika Padukone spoke about her struggle with depression and anxiety on national television, people that were suffering from mental health issues, including myself, would really, really clam up and not talk about it, Right. And it was only when a mainstream, super successful cinema star with like crores riding on her came on national television and spoke about the fact that, listen, I've gone through this. It's the most devastating experience of my life, but I want to talk about it because I can't understand why you can't talk about it, right? Uh, and it's only when we heard her talk about that, that, you know, things started changing. And then there were more and more people who came out and started talking about it. The stigma still exists very much, but it's a lot less than what it used to be, let's say, five, seven years ago. Right. So it's it's like that. And it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight, uh, much as we wish that it happened overnight. It's not going to happen. And we have to continuously work towards changing mindsets. So that's a huge part of what marketing does at Columbia Pacific. Um the other thing, I think, from a marketing point of view, I mean, the levers that you sort of, since you asked me about the levers, I mean, the levers that you sort of, uh, sort of uh, you know, manipulate are largely two to three. One is obviously the demographic itself. Uh, which is a fairly complex demographic because there is a customer and then there's a consumer, um, and the customer is the person that is uh, considering this option. Could be for his or her parents, but the consumer is the person who's actually kind of living in an option like this. So who's the the, the senior citizen? And then so that that's that's the that's the demographic, uh, and obviously there's psychographic and all of that. Uh, you know that's there. And then there is also uh, the platform, right? I mean, which platform do you want to reach out to them through? considering it's a fairly complex sort of target audience or what does uh, what works for you and working within very very stringent marketing budgets then makes it all the more complex because you don't really have huge media budgets to kind of spend on traditional media i mean
0: you can't do a national television campaign yeah you, you can't do a it, national right?
1: television and in fact you, you um, in because this is a subset of real estate uh, real estate huh, doesn't correct. do national television, right? Because it's a lot of wastage. It doesn't make sense for you to... Correct,
0: because you're in a certain geography. Yeah, you are are restricted to a certain geography.
1: And uh, the third thing I'd say, you know, in terms of a lever would definitely be, obviously, customer insight. And that is supremely important for a category like this because it's so new and we're constantly learning. And there are some, you know very rich insights that come uh, come to us through our research, through our you know through talking to our, our customers and so on and so forth, interacting with them uh, on a daily basis. So I'd say those would be um, the levers, yeah.
0: Tell me something, Piali. My favorite question over the last three, four months has been that, you know, now that we've been in and out of pandemic in multiple avatars, from lockdown to unlock yeah. to lockdown to, I don't know what happens to us. So how has that impacted A... The marketing and communications business in general. So, give me like a global perspective of your your understanding, and be your specific business that you operate in. Right? I mean, I mean, senior living, for example. Uh, that is one uh, question. I mean, one question two subsets. The second question, which is which is also related, and you can take both these together, is that what are some opportunities that marketeers have in front of them? after or during or before the pandemic i mean during this era that we're living in so maybe you want to club these two three questions together and respond to that
1: yeah okay so um i mean uh yes of course things have changed i mean you know that's a given uh, and things have changed at a pace that i think none of us was prepared for um uh, you know i don't want to get into the cliches of you know saying that this is a black swan event etc unprecedented which is because Because I think that that everybody said. But as far as my business is concerned, I think, um, you know, I'm happy to report that to a large extent, things actually changed for the better for us, right? Obviously, it was uh, tremendously challenging for us as a team to kind of manage the situation, particularly during the two peaks of the first wave and the second wave. Because remember, we were dealing with the most vulnerable uh, audience, right? As far as the pandemic is concerned, Mm -hmm. Can't be more vulnerable than senior citizens, right? I mean, you know, they were like literally um, the ones that were uh, kind of affected the most because of low immunity, etc. And we were dealing with that. And um, so obviously, from a challenge point of view, I think the team that had the hardest time was was obviously the, the, you know, the operations and the frontline teams across community which is a large part of our workforce, actually. I mean, a majority of the workforce is actually operations and frontline in our business. And they had a very, very tough task because uh, you you can imagine, I mean, um, you know, uh, not only did they have to bring everything within the community. I mean, we even made arrangements for a barber to come in for a haircut, you know uh you know during the first wave i mean it was they were that well taken care of right uh but uh in the in the in the unfortunate uh uh you know uh event of somebody getting the virus uh you know panic spreads and panic spreads like wildfire within communities right uh and uh and you know when you are literally like custodians of 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 you know senior citizens with their, with their children not even yeah their well being and the children are not even in the same country most of our, the, the 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 seniors that live with us their children are not in the country they're either in the us uk australia different parts of the world and uh, so it was tremendously taxing for sure um And to also, you know, uh, ring-fence the communities and ensure... I mean, even we were not allowed to go in. As employees also, we were not allowed to visit any of our communities because that's how we were able to ring-fence it and ensure that, you know, the infection levels were low. Uh, But on the other hand, the challenge was to ensure that, you know, while they were physically distanced, they were emotionally engaged, right? And they were...
0: because you mentioned loneliness is a yeah, large, large yeah, problem it's a for huge these guys. problem.
1: Right? And so mm-hmm. that was the other mm-hmm. challenge that we had to ensure that they were constantly kind of, you know, engaged through this period, through various initiatives and activities that we did digitally. Uh, you know, we launched a, uh, an activity, I mean, a, a, sort of an initiative called The Living Room through Facebook Live, where we would get like, you know... Um, uh you know luminaries like celebrities etc to come and sort of do live chats with them to kind of engage with them so we've had a whole bunch of people from pralak kakkar to you know you name it to, to like charu sharma to uh, to uh, anu malik to Nadita das to a whole bunch of people who have come in for the living room to kind of engage with with our audience with with our uh, seniors uh so that was the, the big challenge uh, the, the the real change that we saw was i think uh higher adoption of the category at large not just for columbia pacific but uh, higher adoption of the category at large because for the first time i think seniors realized how scary it can be to actually be on your own with no help coming in i mean there were no maids for the longest period of time there was no support system your children are not with you so what do you really do if you fall sick? I mean, there is no one to even take you to the hospital, right? If you're living alone, for example, right? So I think that's that's the realization that I think hit hit them hard, and we actually, and uh, we did we we did definitely see an upswing. Um, I think uh, the second part of the question, which was more about, um, you know, what are the opportunities for marketers post pandemic? I think, I think the opportunities are immense, right? I mean, um, the first thing, obviously, and which I think everybody's spoken about, but I, I can't not mention it because this is a definite opportunity, is to really, really digitize your business. And we have realized as businesses, as marketers, that pretty much everything is possible um, on a digital medium. I mean, you can sell through a digital medium. You can sell at a time, you know, when... I mean, we've had transactions happen from people sitting in Paris, right? Only through digital means, right? I mean, that's the power of it, right? And remember, sort of, this is a category which is very, very high on touch, feel. You know, I mean, uh, transactions in real estate and senior living is a subset of real estate. Transactions in real estate don't actually happen without uh, people coming in for a site visit, because it's such an important purchase decision, right? I mean, it you know it, it involves your whole life savings and you're not going to kind of buy it by just seeing it online. But through the pandemic, we've not been able to do that and site visits did drop tremendously. And yet we were able to sort of, you know, see transactions happen. So, I mean, you know, uh, definitely there is a huge opportunity to sort of... Uh, leverage digital leverage you know ai ml all the sort of emerging technologies to to just uh, sort of streamline your business and bring in a lot more efficiency i think that's definitely definitely an opportunity to really re-look at your business model to see how you can sort of you know um sort of streamline things and i think from a marketing point of view um have realized the power of niche marketing as opposed to mass marketing because for for months uh, together we couldn't do any mass marketing and it worked fine for most businesses Uh, and if anything we just became a lot more efficient as marketers as far as ROI is and I think that if you're able to take this learning and move forward and, uh, you know, bring in that culture of agility, bring in that culture of staying nimble, being bring in that culture of frugality, which is one of the things that we practice tremendously at Columbia Pacific and, and ensure that that culture is intact even while we move ahead. Uh, I think there is a lot to lot to gain for marketers. I know that people are still talking about, you know, the, some of the behavioral st- changes that are happening. Are they going to be long term or short term? But I think this change from a marketing lens, uh, I hope, is a long term change. You know, for the greater goals. I hear you. Yeah,
0: yeah. I got this. Yeah, got yeah. this. Cool. So I have. I you just pre- briefly mentioned. Uh, you know, mass market to niche marketing and so on and so forth. So I just want to take you back in time, you know, uh, from the time you you mentioned that you were with Bennett for a, for a while and then you moved on to other roles. So quickly, I mean, uh, I want you to sort of give me a recap of your career and and while you move from one company to another, I want you to talk about why the decision to move and how did you convince yourself that, you know, my move from this role to the next. So let's do that as as well, because that will give me a nice perspective of your career.
1: Yeah, great. So, I mean, I started my career with the Times of India uh, that was straight out of college, in fact, in, in master's. In fact, I, you know, I got placed while I was still doing my master's and, you know, um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I got hired as their fashion journalist. So one of the I mean, my main focus was fashion. Uh, and uh, I mean you know I, I always had sort of uh, uh, you know a sort of natural kind of inclination towards fashion so when this option came my way um, I mean one is obviously you don't say no to the times and secondly I think it I, it also was something that appealed to me as opposed to let's say if it would have been political journalism or sports journalism which I had uh, so yeah I spent a good four years there and then uh, moved on to uh, I mean within within journalism moved on to other publications, did another very short stint, uh, you know, with the Times. Um, And then, you know, um, around that time, right, I'm talking about 2012-ish, was the time when we were actually seeing uh, publications shut down. In fact, it happened with one of the publications I was in, which actually did shut down overnight, right? Midday, midday, shut down. Uh, I think we've all heard of midday. And it shut down its operations in Delhi and Bangalore, rendering, a huge number of people jobless overnight. I was one of them. And, you know, to me, it was seeming like uh, everybody was talking about how print is going to die. Uh, And, of course, people are still talking about how print is going to die, but it's not dead. But the fact is, whether print would die or not is another matter. But digital was already becoming a very, very strong contender. And the sort of the e-commerce boom was kind of, uh, you know, I mean, we were on the threshold of the e-commerce boom and not just in e-commerce, but overall, even in the media landscape. I mean, digital was becoming more and more and more important, right? And that's when I sort of... uh, consciously took a decision to switch over not just to the brand side from the media side uh, but also to
0: so can i say can i say that this uh, incident with midday or your previous role was like a blessing in disguise so that you could take that jump from being you know a journalist to a marketeer can i say that
1: i mean you know to 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 some extent you can but you know I, I i do want to say that you know my real reason for making that switch were two right and i i i've always been very candid about talking about the real reasons um, one of the reasons was the fact that when, like I mentioned earlier in the interview, that when you do a master's in communication, you you sort of get exposed to so many facets of communication, right? And journalism is just one part of it. Uh, and I didn't want to sort of you know get stuck doing just journalism, and I did want to kind of get exposure to every other facet of communication, whether it was you know uh, PR, advertising, uh, you know brand communication, content marketing, etc., etc. And that was definitely one of the main reasons why I did this switch from purely from a learning and exposure point of view, right? Uh, remember that journalism is a very, very exciting, uh, you know, profession. It's a very exciting profession. I, I don't think I I would rate any of the other jobs that I've had as exciting as, as being a journalist because when you're a journalist, no two days in your life are the same. But uh, I still wanted to make that switch. Uh, the second reason, and I don't make any... Um, Uh, you know, uh, bones about this is the fact that, you know, journalism continues to be, unfortunately, a very uh, poorly paid uh, profession, right? I mean, uh, you know, uh, compensation-wise, I think, you know, it is one of the few industries strangely which has not even gone through like a corrective course uh, of you know i mean uh uh it's strange it's strange i don't understand why because it's the fourth estate and it's just so important and it's so important to also get the right talent but uh you know i mean it is what it
0: is and the and the power and the, and i i sorry i'm, I'm just trying to say, uh, cut you into there because i'm dying to talk about how Uh, Journalism is an interesting, interesting place to be at. I mean, a you get access to so much information, and the age that we live in, information is power. A is that. B you get to interact with people that are way out of your league, like Piali. Like if I were to talk to you, otherwise, like imagine if I randomly sent an email to you saying Hey, Piali, I want to catch up with you. Maybe you would have replied because you are a kind individual, but most marketers would have told me to like you know politely ask me to take a hike. So so I think journalism is a great, great place to be at. And since I have started doing podcasts, Pyali really Burlav impact that I've seen on my life has been like a like a sea change impact of for this yeah. podcast, right? Yeah. So 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 I think I'm with you when you say journalism is due for a correction and, and it's a very, yeah, very powerful medium. And, and so I can I can correct. totally
1: yeah, yeah. And you know, sort of because that correction has not happened, uh, there's been a lot of brain drain. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the I'm not the
0: people like you, person. right?
1: Yeah, people like you would have moved on, people right? like me now, maybe back when I, I, I took a radical decision, and there weren't too many people that did that. But if you look at it now, there have there are tons of people that have made that switch right from that side to this side. And uh, the fact is that, you know, um, I just sort of realized that, you know, I mean, if I continue to be in journalism, not only will my growth be like really, really slow, because that's the other problem with that. Uh, that, uh, But uh, it was, like I said, it's a combination of many things. The digital uh, revolution that was coming into the country and for me to then sort of switch over at the right time to uh, to get exposed to that that world. And I think I took the, Right decision at the right time to move uh, to e commerce with Mintra. Uh, the 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 fact that I wanted exposure to all facets of communication, so that I did justice to a masters that I had, and also the monetary reason, like I said. So then I moved on to Mintra with, uh, you know, I mean, to to head content for them, uh, which was obviously a very very natural progression for me because you know I I did fashion journalism for five five and a half years, and then they were actually looking for people that came from the fashion press. So it was a very, very natural kind of, uh, you know, progression for me, but uh, at in a very digital environment, which was very new to me. So I learned everything about digital and digital marketing on the job, starting with Mintra. And then, of course... Um, you know, set up uh, video content IPs for them, Uh, the makeovers, uh, which are still very, very popular, uh, something that I started back in 2012, 2013, uh, with a very small team. uh, And, uh, you know, um, and of course, looking after the blog, which uh, uh, was a purely uh, sort of marketing initiative, and we would always see much higher uh, sort of conversion rates uh, for people that went through the the blog to this to to the to the detail pages um uh, you know uh, which was a which was you know which was sort of um i mean the 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 impact of the blog therefore was quite evident um then from from mintra i moved to amazon to set up social media for amazon fashion in india um, you know, I was part of the core team that also worked on Amazon India Fashion Week, uh, you know, and Amazon. Yeah, yeah. So while Amazon is a global uh, company, and obviously, when you work with such a large global company, you have to be guided by their sort of global guidelines as far as marketing is concerned but um, even then i think you know they gave a lot of freedom to the india team to sort of do things uh, with a very very india perspective and because fashion is also uh, very personal and very local i think it was like an interesting kind of exposure uh, from Amazon I wanted to move to the agency side of things because I realized that I've always been on client side right and I also realized that I had no exposure to the agency side of things and I I, I didn't know how that business worked right and I, I realized that you know in order for For me to be a sort of holistic, complete marketer, I need to spend at least a little bit of time on the agency side to really understand that business. And while at that point, I did have quite a few other offers from the brand side, I consciously chose an agency role with the publicist group and joined them as their creative director slash uh, uh, branch head here in the South, heading... um, you know, the Bangalore branch that looked after uh, all of, um, you know, Aditya Birla fashion brands, uh, you know, their entire digital mandate. Um, So that was something that I did for about two years. Uh, And uh, obviously, when you're working with like a large retailer and multiple brands within that, I mean, the main challenge is to bring in that sense of differentiation, you know, amongst those four or five different brands that are that are part of the same house right and they're all operating in the same category of apparel um so yeah i mean um uh you know i was heading a command center here which was also doing a lot of listening uh you know activity that was it was actually at that point the only command center uh you know in the fashion space right um yeah, so that was that was that was interesting, and I really really understood the the you know the agency business very very well because I did have to a large extent PNL responsibilities because you know I was I was sort of heading business here. Um, so you know I mean um, that was that was that was uh, my last stint, and then post that when this opportunity came uh, to uh, head marketing for a new brand in a new category. I mean, it was a very, I would say, audacious decision because uh, the fact is that prior to that, I only did fashion, right? I mean, my my whole world kind of uh, revolved around fashion and that was the only, um, you know, uh, that was the only sort of um, perspective I had on life. It was the only worldview that I had. And uh, to sort of break away, That to a large extent was a very conscious decision because I think by then I had reached a point where I was sort of saying to myself that, you know, would you be able to bring in the same relevance if you were put in a category which was completely disconnected from fashion, right? Uh, I mean, in, in in, in in a completely alien environment like that. Uh, would you still be able to bring in relevance do impactful work create a body of work that you would be proud of and most importantly create business impact and that's a challenge I sort of threw at myself and I literally kind of uh, jumped into this and the last three and a half years have been spent at Columbia Pacific Communities building the brand building building the business from scratch I joined the organization at the time when you know, we didn't even have the brand name in India. We didn't even, you know, have the brand entity here in India, right? Uh, Obviously, we had the global brand, the mother brand, but in India, we didn't. And we had acquired a company called Serene Senior Living here in India. So we were actually being called Serene Senior Living. And so it, you know, from that stage of creating a brand, a brand identity, the entire brand architecture, archetype, to now taking it to a stage where it is one of the country's most awarded brands in marketing, it is the most preferred brand in the category, uh, despite being the latest entrant in the category. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to say that it is the most preferred. Uh, if I go by any of the research, any of the brand health research that we have done, so yeah, I mean it's been it's been uh, it's been quite a journey. Yeah.
0: So Piali, I have a I have a bouncer for you in terms of the next question. Uh, if i told you that you have to uh, you have to go for a sabbatical for 2 years and you have to find a replacement for you at columbia pacific communities who would that person be i don't want the names but i would want you to tell me what kind of uh, you know ethos would they have what is their background what kind of understanding would they have what would they have done in their life so that your hard work of taking columbia from nobody to you know the stage that it is today is not undone How would you choose that person?
1: Being nimble, being agile and the ability to do more with less, right? It is a startup and it's a startup in India while we've been around globally for 40 years. But in India, we operate definitely like a startup. And therefore, uh, there are a lot of challenges within which you have to sort of function, right? So if you are somebody that has always had the luxury of operating with like very very lavish marketing budgets you know big ticket massive campaigns celebrities etc etc the fancy stuff Uh, this may not be the place for you because you will really struggle Uh, because here it is about you know making every marketing dollar work like super hard right um, I think yeah very very hard so I think somebody who understands that who appreciates that and will be able to take on that challenge because I don't think it is for everybody right most people might find it very limiting some marketers might say you know you know I've, I've, I've managed a budget of like 100 crores now you're giving me this and I just think it's very limiting and what am I going to do with this but the, the whole thing is that because you have very limited, uh, you know, resources, you actually end up working a lot harder to ensure that, you know, you're able to kind of create the same impact with very limited resources. So, for example, you know, I mean, a lot of the work that we do are done in-house. I mean, our entire production capabilities have been built in-house, right? And uh, while, of course, yes, we do work with agencies and a network of them like any other brand. Uh, so, of course, we have, an, I have our AOR, we have our PR agency, we have an CEO agency, etc. You know, I realized very early on in my stint here that if I don't bring in production in house, I'm never going to be able to do anything with the budgets that I had because it's just going to be impossible for me to mount any campaign with the kind of budgets that I had. So it was imperative for me to actually bring in production in-house, make it super effective so that not only was um, everything happening faster, quicker, etc., but also less churn, a lot more efficiency in the system. And also, you know, we were able to keep costs very, very low. I tell you this, Saurav, that we have even released TVCs, that have been made in house, all right, without any any production like zero production cost, and we have actually gone on to win awards in categories like you know low cost TVC etc. Uh, you know while while sort of doing it in house. So I think the ability to uh, to get a lot done with lot less, I think I definitely look for that.
0: So that was Yali Das Gupta, the senior vice president of marketing at Columbia Pacific Communities. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for listening.